Thank you, and shall we bow our heads just a moment. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the gathering this afternoon, for all the blessings that Thou hast bestowed upon we, Thy unprofitable servants. We thank Thee, Lord, for the inspiration of this song, and right in this same tabernacle, the voice of the man that wrote the song by inspiration from You, as many times went down through these aisles. His gallant soul rests in your kingdom today. God bless him. May his works long live. Forgive us of our trespasses, Father. As we think of the great poets that wrote lives of great men, all remind us we can make our lives sublime with partings leave behind us, footprints on the sands of time. Help us, Lord to be up and doing, be ready at any time that God should call us to any task. May we not fail our fear. And I pray, God, that you'll bless us this afternoon. Bless the reading of the Word. And in these few moments we're to spend together, may thy blessings be upon us. Thank you, Father, for the love offering. And may your blessings rest upon each one who gives. And those who could not give, And may the offering be used only for the glory of God, granted, Father, and someday over in a better land, setting down by the banks of the river, where the tree of life is blooming on either side, may every person that's in divine presence be there, granted, Lord, may they have a lovely home that we can set down in the quietness of Eden, and spend an endless eternity together. Help us now while the battle is on, to hoist up the flag and polish the shield and go forward in faith. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Good afternoon, friends. I'm very happy to be here. Always happy to be in the congregation of God's people. I didn't know that the pastor was going to take a love offering for me. They usually do that in the meeting. I appreciate it very much. The first time I ever heard him take a love offering for me. Myself, I never took an offering in my life. I'm afraid I wouldn't make a very good person to do it. I, <laughs> I don't know whether my wife got up here yet this afternoon or not. I looked around. I couldn't see her. My mother's here. But I remember one time I happened to look over here and see a person that's included in this, so I thought I would tell it. I may have told it before. You know, evangelistic word, traveling around and little the events of life sometimes why we express them many times. So I, I remember pastoring our church, several of the members of my old church at Jeffersonville, is here this afternoon in the service. Many are coming next weekend. And I remember I pastored 12 years there without a one penny. And I, I worked for a living. And I would be doing it today if I could. But my work is so now that I can't do that. And I remember one time we got to a place where we couldn't make ends meet. How many ever hit that place? <laughs> We're just all common folks, you know. 
We couldn't make it at me. I would just been pretty well struck. I was patrolling, walking 30 miles a day on high lines, patrolling the lines during the time of the war, walking through the jungles and things. And oh my, what a job. 30 miles a day, six days a week. <clears throat> so I, I was, my wages is about 60 cents an hour where some of my brothers making $3 an hour. So, but I just kept struggling along. They'd stuck with me. So I was sticking with them. So we couldn't make the, a payment on something. And I said to my wife, I'm going to take up an offering. She said, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> so I want to work for the church and how they would do it. They were very happy to do it, but I just never asked them. So that night, I remember old brother Wiseheart, many of you folks here in the tabernacle are remembering. He's in glory today. He's an elderly man. I said, I'm going to take an offering. Would someone get my hat? So my wife thought, well, he's really going to do it, I believe. So they got my hat. I looked down sitting in front of me. There was a little lady sitting there with a little check of aprons, you know. Poor old thing. She'd been a real support and prayer to the church. And she pulled this little apron up one side and reached down under underneath the pocket. Got a little pocketbook. got little snaps on top. She pulled it out and began to pull out those nickels and things. Mm. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Brother Wiseheart had got my hat and he's looking at me. I said, just a minute, Brother Wiseheart. I said, I was just a kidding about that. <laughs> really mean. There's an old man sitting over here with white beard, long white hair. He had rode a bicycle down there sometime before, and he's an old friend of mine up around Benton Harbor, and he had a he gave me this bicycle. So I had it over there and so I went and got the old bicycle and painted it up and fixed it a little bit and sold it for ten dollars and I didn't have to you know, take the offering after all and God supplied my needs just the same. So it was kinda hard. Brother Ryan, I sure remember that bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Left at the right time. That's very warm. I was thinking this afternoon I was going to speak on a subject of the journey, but I just kind of changed my mind since I come in here. It's so awfully hot, I won't keep you long. Just speak a little bit. They tell us the heat waves go to break after today, so we hope so. And maybe next Sunday or sometime this week, I'll take that same subject because I want to get it to you. I said last night here, but I might tell you today why I'm a holy roller. <laughs> Would you like to know why I'm a holy roller? <laughs> I'll try to tell you from the word of the Lord. And, you know, I've done a lot of traveling for our Lord Jesus. I've seen many denominations of churches, but, you know, I've never seen a holy roller yet. <laughs> I, I really don't know wh where they're at. I looked at all the church lists and the statistics and everything. I can't find where there's a church called Holy Rollers. <laughs> but you know what it is? It's just the name the devil pinned on the church, that's all. <laughs> there is no Holy Roller. I've never seen one. Uh, the government don't know of any. So, well, I, I don't know where they're at, but I just think the devil just did that. I want to read some out of the book of Jude. It's a very short book. And it's got 25 verses. That's all there is to it. I wish to read this. Just before I do, I never finish my thoughts. During time of these services like this, I'm under a very 
much of a nervous strain. Anyone know that? Especially when visions are seen, you're living in two worlds at the same time. You're in a dimension that the world knows nothing about. There's no way to explain it. And you, you're always kind of nervous and at a strain. And longer the meeting goes, the worse it gets. And um, so it makes it pretty bad. So I want to say this, though, if I ever forget anything, I don't mean to do it, but I want to thank each one of you for the offering. Now, whatever there is of it, we'll see if we may meet our expenses here. If we don't, of course, we'll pay the expenses out of the offering. And if we do make the expenses, and if there would be enough to it, would get a little more than what I have to use for my living. I've got two, three children and a wife, and I have to make a living for them some way. And um, I, if there's anything left over, I put it in foreign mission work. God knows my heart. I come in this world poor. I shall go out the same way. I could have been a millionaire if I'd wished to be. But he who knows, if I had to go this afternoon and show $100 or get killed, I just have to get killed. Frankly, the, the contractor is working on my mother's house and setting present now, and I owe him 600 and something dollars and couldn't pay him for this meeting. So the six on my mother's house. I just want you to know that the people of Angeles, I don't, I don't believe that a brother literally, some of them say they go out and take up lots of money and do lots, that's up to them. I just have to answer for my part. That's, that's not. So before God, God knows my heart and knows that I have tried with all my heart to give to, just as I would receive it, I'd put it right back out in the gospel, just everything. At that day, when I stand before him, my treasures, I want them to be up there. Well, I don't know what time I'm going to leave here, you see, so I, I want them to be there. Now, in the book of Jude, we read this, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Now, I want you to notice he's addressing this now directly to a specific uh, uh, people and a time also. Mercy unto you, and peace be, and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation it was needful for me to write unto you, and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. For there are certain men creeping unaware who were before ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I just again for a word to him. Father, would you accept us now? And I'm standing here not knowing what to say, but it has been written in your word, take no thought what you shall say. And we believe that. So I pray now that in trying to explain this afternoon why I love you and why I have, have chosen by your will, I believe, to serve you in this beautiful way of holiness and mercies of God, I pray that you will help us today. Circumcise my lips with thy Holy Spirit. 
and circumcise the ears of the people that they might hear. And may the Holy Spirit take the word of God and deliver it to each heart as we have need. For we ask that in Christ's name, amen. I like to refer to Jude many times. He is... um, didn't write very many verses, but what he wrote was pertaining to the last days. If you go on, he goes ahead and predicting, showing what will be in the last days, what will take place. And it's for a time. <clears throat> now, he was, his theme here that I wish to get on just for a few moments is he's saying this, he's writing to the church, them that are in God and sanctified in Christ and called. He's addressing the letter to them to stir up uh, their uh, faith that they would earnestly contend for the the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Now, I believe that is the desire of every person. Now, many people say, that's against my faith. There's, There's many faiths, but there's only one the faith, I think. So that's what, if we can see, and on through the scripture, is, I want every person to read this if you never have, how that he predicted what would be here in the last days, what they would be doing, then I believe the chapter is given to the church now, that you might earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saint. <clears throat> Pardon me. Now, we'll have to go back to find out, now that we have... Oh, I guess, I think they claim about 600 different denominations church in the world today. 600 or better. I think there's 400 and something in America. Denominations of churches. Each one differs one from the other. And yet, we're one body. Now, I was ordained in the Missionary Baptist Church. It was the first church that I uh, ever was, was baptized into that fellowship in the Missionary Baptist Church and became a minister and had uh, credentials from the church. Then when I began to see, and I have nothing against any church, let me say that in the beginning now. Now, whether you are uh, um, Methodist or Baptist or whatever you may be, I am not saying nothing against any church because there is no certain church, I believe, that Jesus Christ, if he was here this afternoon, would put his endorsement up on that church alone. Because I believe that the honest in heart is who God would take, see? That the pure in heart shall see God. Now, whether you're a Methodist or a Baptist or whatever you are, the pure in heart shall see God. That's what he said. And so I don't mean to reflect, or re- pardon me, uh, to have this to reflect upon any uh, organization or any groups of people. I'm just wanting to express why that I have chosen or why I am a holy ruler, as I would call it, or that expression. Now, I see here that Jude was exalting the people that they should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And if that being about a few, about 30 years after Pentecost, and had fallen away from the, the faith in that much time, what have we done in this 1900 years of all kinds of denominations and discrepancies and things that slipped into the churches and caused these things? I think that we ought to go back this afternoon, each one of us, in a mental picture, 
and find out what is this faith that was once delivered to the saints. I think we ought to find out. We owe it to ourselves as Christian people to find out what kind of a faith was once delivered to the saints. And then if we can find in the Scripture what kind of a faith that was once delivered to the saints, I think we ought to be humble enough in our hearts to accept it then. Don't you think so? Just to say, well, this, this is it, and we want to accept this. And then um, I, I believe that God has a church. Now, I believe that in this church that this, uh, I, being, many people have thought that I was a radical, uh, eternal securitist. Well, that, that's an error. No, I only believe in eternal security as this. I believe the church has eternal security. Now, if you're in the church, you're secured with the church. But now, whether you are or not, that's between you and God. Isn't that right? But I know that the church is going to be there. God said it would be there without spot or wrinkle. And I believe his word is right. I believe it will be there. The church will come, and God will come for his church, or Christ, and he will receive it without spot or wrinkle. Now, let's go back to the beginning. If we're ever going to the trouble of it with people, we start chopping off out here and say, well, I'll, I believe we'll take off from here. That's like trying to climb a ladder up to the top of the house and beginning at the 10th the round down, you see. The best way to do it is go down to the very foundation of anything and find out where you're laying. Is get the foundation. If you want to find divine healing, if you want to find anything, go right straight back to the beginning, to the foundation, and then build up on that where you begin at. Now, the foundation of all Bible teaching is begin in Genesis. Everything. The word Genesis means the beginning or the seed chapter. And uh, I have studied Genesis now for two years constantly. I've read every commentator I know of, of uh, Arthur Payton, McIntosh, and those. And I got so sick and tired of reading them, I just laid them back and I said, God, this is your commentary. And I, I'm a person just with one book, and that's the Bible. I just believe what the Bible says. And, and don't try to take others' word. Now, in Genesis was the seed chapter where all the seeds were sown. Everything that you find in the world today came out of Genesis. Everything began back there in the beginning. Well, now, it's just like sowing a crop. Now, if you watch what kind of seed you got in, no matter what it looks like when it's this high, you'll have to see what it is, what the seed is. You'll see what it'll be when it comes to seed. Is that right? If it's wheat, corn, or whatever it is, it might look like a weed, but if it's a wheat down here in the bottom, it'll produce a wheat up there. Is that right? It's just what, what it is. Now, we go back to Genesis to find out everything. We take, for instance, the word, let's just use a little illustration here, like Babylon. Let's find out where Babylon comes from. Just look at it. The first place that it was pronounced, or we found Babylon, it was uh, made by, founded by Nimrod. And Nimrod was uh, a son of Ham. And you come back, and this goes back to the curse. And then it comes out, it was once called the gates of heaven or gates of paradise or something like that. Then it was called confusion. Here it is way back in Genesis. Here it is down here in the days of King Nebuchadnezzar. Here it is, come on over, and it ends up over here in Revelations again. We're still speaking of Babylon. Oh, if we had time to take that subject and run it through the Bible. Babylon. But you've got to go back to the beginning to start everything. Now, if, if the faith that was once delivered to the saints, we've got to go plumb back to the beginning to get it. To find out where we're going to, what we're going to talk about. Now, let's begin with the first two people on earth. And that was Adam and Eve. 
And when they had sinned, God told them, all these things you may have, but there's one thing that you mustn't touch, and that was the, the forbidden tree. And, of course, everybody has their ideas of what it was, and I have mine. But anyhow, they sinned, and when they sinned, it brought death. And then God came down to talk to Adam in the cool of the evening, and they found out that Adam and Eve was back in the bushes somewhere hid. Now they thought now, before they had met God, that they'd be able to stand in his presence because they'd made himself a fig leaf apron and put around him. See, man in the very beginning now is trying to make himself a covering. And the word covering means, uh, religion means covering. And man was trying to make himself a way of escape from the wrath and the presence of God by his own hand. That's his nature. Now, can you get that? It's his nature to try to bypass God if he can't yet stand in his presence justified. And no man at any time or any age ever sought after God. God seeks after man. A man, his nature is to run from God. As soon as Adam realized he was sin, why, he should have been running through the garden screaming, Father, Father, where art thou? But instead of that, it was God screaming, Adam, Adam, where art thou? And Adam hiding. See the difference? Now, that's man's nature today. Right today, if every man in Chicago would be honest with himself, absolutely honest, well, you couldn't pack them around on these streets here today trying to seek salvation. Why would close every whiskey joint in this city and everything else? If man would only be honest with himself, but he'll drink, he'll, he'll do everything to try to get behind it, get away from it, throw it away from him. But now that's his beginning. That shows what he is in his makeup. He's nothing to begin with. His nature, his fallen condition, he is absolutely nothing. He is even lower moral than the animal in his fallen nature. Say, that's a big thing to say, isn't it? But that's the truth, Christians. A man in his fallen nature is more de demoralized than any animal in the world. There isn't a... Uh, animal to his uh, morals. He, you know how the mother hog is and the mother uh, dog and so forth. They raise their puppies and so forth, and that settles it. But an uh, immoral woman or man, a man would throw a baby out of a mother's arms to satisfy his, his beastly passions. That shows that he has, he has fallen, he's degraded, he's below the animal life. When he's in his no matter how much of a gentleman he has to be, without Jesus Christ, he's lost and undone. That's right. And somebody says religion runs you crazy, why, well, it's the only thing in the world that will give you your right mind. That's right. Jesus never set anyone crazy. He set the crazy people at liberty and give them their right mind. And that's what the, the power of God has always did. To liberate the maniacs and so forth and put them in their right mind. And no man is perfectly in his right mind until he's found Jesus Christ in his life. He, he isn't. Now, that's bad, but that's the truth. We must face back. Now, as soon as Adam realized he had sinned, he knew he had to stand in his presence, so, or God's presence. He made a fig leaf apron and got in behind the bushes. But when God came out, he said, Adam, where are you? And Adam couldn't come out. He realized when he had to face God that the religion that he had made for himself would not hold in the presence of God. 
Now, I want you to base that thought now. The religion, his own self-made, man-made religion, would not stand when he had to face God. And brother, sister, I've had 20 years as a minister. I've helped people on my arms dying. I've seen them with all kinds of professions, and I've seen them with man-made religions. And when it comes to the end of the road, it doesn't work. That's right. I've seen them when I've heard them scream and fight devils off of them, and supposed to be even deacons and some of them preachers. That's right. Then I'll hail them in my arms when they raise their hands and say, Brother Branham, hold my hands. Happy day, happy day since Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to walk and pray and live rejoicing every day. Why, I tell you, it means something when a man's really born again of the Spirit of God. He becomes acquainted, a personality of God is in him. And he knows that he's only going from the ridiculous to the sublime. And there's no fear to death. Death hasn't got a fear string tied to it anywhere. My man, when he's in Christ, he's free from death and sin and sickness and sorrows and, and so forth. Now, notice this. Then when Adam realized that he had sinned, God had to make a substitute for his death because he'd pronounced death. And he goes out and gets some uh, skins, probably some sheep skins. Now, in order to get a covering for Adam and Eve, he had to make them aprons out of skins and get skins. He had to kill something. Something had to die in the stead because God had placed death. And now let's just get a little picture and see God before there even was a moon or a star way back in the eons of time before any light ever come into existence, God set back in eternity. And then that same God that covered all the spaces, they got a glass out here at the Mount Palmer, that you can see 120 year, million years of light space. Break that down into miles and you'd run a row of nines around Chicago, see, of, of miles. But thinking beyond that is still moons and stars. Some fellow very critical on the second coming of Christ said, do you mean to tell me all the Christians that ever died in Christ will rise? I'm what you call born-again people? Well, I said, you couldn't place them on this earth like cardboard. I said, who said they'd be here on earth like cardboard? That's <laughs> right. They won't. I said, my heavenly father stood back there and blew off his hands, moon stars, moons. I said, there'd be millions of worlds out under. Well, my. Hard to tell where we will live out in them great places. I said, how about over ten cities and all these cities? He said, he that overcometh shall over. I said, why, God's got worlds on top of worlds and places on top of places. How can our little infinite mind limited God? Why, we can't. There's no way of all of it expressing when you look out and see how vast God is in his universe. Why, he's marvelous. But to think that he would be so concerned to come down to the lowest individual and the worst drunk or harlot there is in Chicago today. That's right. And save him. That's love. There I see him in Eden. God said, why did you listen to that serpent instead of listening to your husband? Your husband is ruler over you. And he put the curses up on them and sent them away. And I can see that the most dramatic sight Next to it, I guess, that I ever could dramatize in my mind to see little Eve standing there. Now, I know artists, painters, a horrible-looking critter and, and hair sticking out like a, I don't know what, and Adam, uh, just a horrible-looking caveman, shoulders as wide as barn doors and so forth. 
Now that's wrong. There's no such a thing as that. Why, well, even human nature teaches better than that. Now, but I can see the world of perfect man in statue. Not too big, not too small, just right. I see the most beautiful woman that ever lived on the face of the earth nearly is Eve. When Adam looked at her there, when God took a piece from his side, her rib, and made that woman, she, he looked at her, why, it was, it's still, the effect of it still lingers through the sons of Adam, down through here that admire. There, that beautiful little woman sitting there by his side, he's taking her by his arm, led her down through the, the paradises of God. But notice they have sin now. And I can hear God say, because you came out of the dust of the earth, dust I shall return. And poor little Eve threw her head over on Adam's shoulders and began to weeping because she knew what she had done. Adam put his arm around Eve, and there they go walking out of Eden condemned. I can just hear that old bloody uh, sheepskin around the beautiful figure of those two people slapping against their legs as they were going, walking out of Eden. God looking at it, and all that great space come down to one, four little words, L-O-V-E. He's loved them so well he couldn't see them go. So he called her, said, I'll put image between your seed and the serpent's seed, promising a Savior. And that same Savior, with his own blood around his garment, slapping against his legs, walked up Golgotha's hill and was crucified. To redeem the man. Now, out of there come two children, one Cain and one Abel. Now, let's, may the Lord help us now. Out of there come the first two boys, which Cain, Abel was killed in Seth Tucky's place, we understand. But let's look back here at the beginning now in the seed of these two boys bringing out what I'm going to speak of right now. Cain and Abel, after driven from the Garden of Eden, they realized that they had sinned and, and they were separated from God and each boy wanted to find favor in the sight of God. So he comes to make a sacrifice and builds an altar. Now I want to, you to watch something. God is just. Do you believe that, audience? He is absolutely just. And if God only requires a religion, Cain was just as just as Abel was. Both those boys came before God. Cain wasn't a communist. He wasn't an infidel, an unbeliever. He was a believer. And if God only requires a believer, he would be unjust to condemn Cain. Now, this is going to make you tighten up your ecclesiastical vest just a little bit. But listen. Notice. God could not be just if you say, I am a believer, so was Cain, and so is the devil. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. He came as a believer, and you say, well, I go to church, I will go to the altar. So did Cain. Cain built an altar, our church, unto the Lord. You say, I'm a member of the church, so is Cain. And Cain made a sacrifice. You say, I pay so much every year into my church. So did Cain. I worship the Lord from the bottom of my heart. So did Cain. Cain was a believer, a worshiper, and just as fundamentally right as Abel was. 
Amen. Oh, I love this. I pray God steam our hearts. Now, don't get excited. I know where I am. <laughs> Look. But I feel kind of religious right now. <laughs> Notice. When I see that pro and con, when I see that negative and positive, when I see Cain come up there in the beginning, now we're back in Genesis, at the beginning of the tree, there's where it was planted. Cain was strictly a fundamentalist, just as fundamental as Abel was. He loved the Lord, he worshipped the Lord, and he built an altar to the Lord, he made a sacrifice to the Lord, he paid his vows to the Lord, just as religious as any fundamental teacher could teach it today. Right. But God accepted Abel's offering because Abel, by faith, offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by being just. Now, if we had time, I'd like to twist that. Now, there's the beginning of the two trees. I want you to watch one on the right, one on the left, Cain and Abel. Now, there's where this thing that we're living in today was planted right there in the Garden of Eden and started from there in Genesis. Right there. Now, notice. On down. I see the clock moving around. I haven't got very many more minutes. But I want to get right straight to my point now so you can see what I mean. Or you're suffering under this heat. But let's forget about it for a few minutes. Let's open our hearts. Brother and sister, there's an eternity before us. And it behooves you today to set up and take notice to remember what you're listening to and uh, how you're serving God. And is it possible that a man could be wrong and yet sincere? Yes, sir, there is a way to seem us right into a man. Now, watch. Cain and Abel. Now, let's move it on out. You can move it down through the Bible everywhere. Them two vines that started back here in Eden, they're growing right on up. Right on up. And finally, we're almost in the seed time, the harvest. Now, we could bring it down to Esau and Jacob. One, the enemy, and one, and listen, Esau was much more of a gentleman, religiously speaking, than Jacob was. Esau, taking care of his old blind daddy, herded the cattle, he was a gentleman. But Jacob, hallelujah, had the birthright. He, had, he believed that theirs weren't laid. So he got it. But Jacob was uh, accepted with God and Esau was condemned before God. He even put it back in the ark in the destruction of the world. There was the crow and the dove sitting on the same roost. One was just as much bird as the other one was. Is that right? Well, what was it? One was a crow by nature, the other was a dove by nature. One could fly just like the other one. But their natures, their appetites were different. The crow was satisfied with eating the old dead carcasses and going from place to place, calling around. He was just as happy and probably as religious as the dove thought he was. But the dove couldn't stand that smell and return back again. Amen. Many people today think that they're religious and go to church or something other and drink and carry on and immoral actions still think they're religion. It goes to show what kind of a nature you are. If a man's born to the Spirit of God, he becomes a son of God, a nature of God, and the things of the world dies out. 
when you do it. Right. Oh, how wonderful. Here, a grain of wheat can't do nothing but produce wheat. Its seed is beginning as a wheat. And we are sowed with the incorruptible Word of God. And if we are sowed with the incorruptible Word of God and the Holy Spirit watering this seed, it can bring nothing forth but reproduce the life of Jesus Christ and every one of His believers. God, help the day that when men and women will be just what they are. So many, I'd rather leave this pulpit this afternoon. If I wasn't a friend of Christ, I'd be an enemy. I'd be against it. And if it's worth believing and worth uh, testifying of, it's worth living for and dying for. By grace are you saved. Notice, now we go a little farther. Let's bring them to, look at this now, here's one on this side, just as fundamental as this one on this side. Let's bring them on down to the journey of the children of Israel. Here comes these vines on up. Here comes Israel coming up out of Egypt. And when they come up out of Egypt, on the road to the promised land, they had to pass through Moab. And Moab come from Lot's daughters. They went over that. They wasn't infidels now. They had some priests up there. They had some preachers. They had a prophet. And that prophet was money crazy. And when Israel had to pass through, Balak, the king of Moab, rejected him. Now, get ready. Here it is. Notice, he rejected Israel, which was actually his brother. Right. And they both served the same God. Truly. And this prophet, when he started down Balaam, on his road down to curse this people, the Holy Ghost spoke in unknown tongues through a mule. <laughs> Surely he got sense of a mule. Look, here he come and rebuked the blinded prophet. Good way to turn some of them prophets around, isn't it? <laughs> All right. God telling me, don't you get down there. Stay back. But oh my, he had the big things on his mind. The king was telling him so and so and how he's going to bless him. So he wasn't paying attention about the spiritual side. He was watching the material side. And when he come down, I look, here's Israel down here in the camp. Here's Moab up here on the mountain. And I want to, here's a shock you, you fundamentalists now. Get ready. Now, I believe you're right, fundamentally speaking. But notice, here come Moab out, and Balak and Balaam. And he said, now look down there at that bunch of holy rollers. I want you to curse them. Well, Balak said, I can only say what the Lord tells me. So Balak showed Balaam the utmost parts of Israel. I just wonder, people... We fundamentalists this afternoon, if our teachers hasn't showed us the utmost parts of the holy rollers, say this, that, and the other, this, and run away with that, and his wife, and this, and that, I wonder if that same thing is in our ranks. It is. But we can cover it up where they can't. Now, this may make you a little bit sick, but if it don't make you sick, it won't do you no good. Mama said him there. 
When I was a little boy, we lived out on a farm, and I used to, every Saturday night, we didn't have very much to eat. She'd put meat skins in an old pan and boil it to uh, uh, get the render the grease out of it to make our corn cakes, and we uh, didn't live so very good. So every Saturday night, a bath in an old cedar tub, and every one of us have to take a dose of castor oil for colds and things through the winter. I took so much castor oil, I tell you, I gagged even smell it. And I come to Mama, hold up the door, and I said, Mama, it just makes me so sick, I can't stand it. She said, if it don't make you sick, it won't do you any good. So maybe that's what this is this afternoon. If it don't stir you up, exercise your spiritual digestive organs. Hallelujah. Maybe it'll get you studying, wandering. Now, there was Moab, a believer, fundamental. Brother, that, let me let that soak just a little bit. He was fundamental, just as fundamental as Israel was. Now watch, this prophet went out there, their teacher, and he said, now I know that what the requirements of Jehovah is, and he built seven altars. Correctly, what Israel was ordained to do. He put seven clean sacrifices, bullocks, on the seven altars to Jehovah. And he also, besides that, offered seven rams, which speaks of the coming of Jesus Christ. Talk about fundamental. He was just as fundamental, and that's the same offering and everything that they were offering right down there. Is that right? The same offerings that they were offering here was offered down there the same way. But they said, look at them. They're not a people. This was a great organization Moab had. We are an or- we're the land of Moab. But they are just travelers, a bunch of holy rollers scattered about. Hey, man. Old brothers. You'll see in a minute why I'm a holy roller. Look at here. There's that vine coming up out of, out of Eden. You said, Israel, Brother Branham, you mean to tell me that Israel's holy rollers? Yes, sir. Brother, when they crossed the Red Sea and got the victory, Miriam the prophetess grabbed a tambourine and began screaming and jumping and dancing, and down the river she went. If there ain't a holy roller, I never seen one. Is that true? And Moses got so full of the Spirit, so he throwed up his hands and sang in the Spirit. Hallelujah! We're not lost. That's that vine coming on up. <laughs> yes, sir. And yours is persecuted right over here on the other side. As Jesus said, so close that would deceive the very elect if possible. All right. Here they come, moving up. Now notice. This people offered the same sacrifice as that people was. Now, fundamentally, Moabites were just as fundamental teachers as Israel was. The same sacrifice, the same offering, the same God, and everything, fundamentally speaking, just like they was. But what was the difference? Now, here you are. Get it. God, if it comes to being fundamental, if that's all God requires, He would be unjust if He didn't recognize both of them. That's right. If scripturally fundamentalism is all that God requires, Moab was just as fundamental as Israel, offering the same offerings to the same God. And he brought out all the royals, 
And they stood around the smoldering sacrifice. And the prophet went forth to prophesy. Perfect. Right. What was the difference? These were fundamental, all right, but God was vindicating these with signs and wonders. There's where it laid. That's where it laid yet today. Yes, sir. The supernatural. There was able the supernatural. There was the, all through the Scripture. And here they are down here. What did they have? They had a pillar of fire over them. They had a divine healing signal. Praising and the fundamental teachers said they were holy rollers, in other words, and were off fundamentally speaking, they were both exactly worshiping the same God by the same sacrifice. But God was vindicating this group, saying, That's my people, amen. amen. My people, notice it's growing on just a minute. God proved that that was his people because he was vindicating them with signs and wonders. God's people has always been a phenomenal people that's had signs and wonders among them from the very beginning in Genesis. And that same church is in existence today with signs and wonders following it. See? God of vindicating. Now, speaking fundamentally, as I said, they were both right. But God said, this is mine. He proved it. Now, look. When Balaam come back, Balak showed him the utmost parts, the worst part of Israel. But when God spoke through the prophet, he said, I have beheld him from the hilltop, and I have not conceived iniquity in Jacob. Hallelujah. Why? He couldn't see through that smitten rock and that brass serpent hanging there. There was an atonement going before them. Truly, I say that in the church of the living God, they've done things wrong and so forth, but you fail to recognize that humility before God as a brass serpent. Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, told us the Son of Man be lifted up. The fundamentals say, we believe that, but here's the signs of following. There you are. So close to see the very left. Let's bring the tree on up a little farther. We come into the days of Jesus. Here's the fundamentals there. Scholars, teachers, rabbis who know the Word of God daring to say they didn't. And here comes Jesus along, just as fundamental as they were. But God was working with him with signs and wonders following him. And the fundamentals called him Beelzebub. So how can I expect to be called anything less today or the church of the living God who believes in the phenomenal of the powers of God? How can we expect anything else when they call the master of the house Beelzebub? That's right. Who is that? Fundamental teachers. That's right. Just as fundamental. Don't ever jump on one. He believes the same gospel that you believe. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension, the coming of the Lord. But he hasn't the vindication of God's signs on it. Oh, my i tell you why I'm a holy roller. Yes, sir. I see this sign coming up. Look at him there when he was going, the church moving on. Joel saw through a, God put a binocular on his eyes one day, and he looked down through them, stream of time under, and he seen the church. He seen this vine, tore down, destroyed. He said, what the palm worm left, the caterpillar eating. What the caterpillar left, the locust eating. What the locust eat, the, uh, left, another worm eating. He said, could this church ever grow again? But God said, I will restore, saith the Lord. Joel, that 
prophet looking down through eyes of faith. He saw this vine coming up out of Genesis. He saw her all spark when they, there after Jerusalem, the Holy Ghost had fell. He seen the dark ages coming on. He seen that vine destroyed and pushed down to a stump. But God said, I will restore, says the Lord. Oh my. If it wasn't that, you might be able to kill the branches, but the life is in the church, which is Jesus Christ. The Lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. God will restore. Only the life of Christ lay there. He'll get somebody who's going to believe. Amen. I feel like the Holy Roll. Look. Notice, I will restore, saith the Lord. I was going not long ago down up here in Canada. Brother Rasmus and I, we were going in Canada, Brother Baxter. We were going way up in the north woods. One night I was riding along there on my horse, and it was a big old thicket of pines. I just love the outdoors. I love to see God. That was my first Bible, God in his nature. And I looked. And I passed by an old forest where it used to be a great a towering pine, but a fern over had come years ago and burned it all down. It was just a big bunch of, it looked spooky, great big old white trees, and the moon shining down against them, and them just parched white, and there come a wind blowing down through the mountains, and all them trees are doing, making the most mournful sound of, ooh, ooh, and I thought, oh my, a spooky place. Then the scripture come on my mind. What the palm worm left the caterpillar eating. What the caterpillar left the locust eating. But that was his church. I thought, truly, Lord, after the Reformation by counter, what the left Catholic left the fundamentals eating. What the fundamentals left the Presbyterians eating. What the Presbyterians left the Baptists eating. What the Baptists left the Nazarenes eating. Until they eat the thing down. But I will restore saith the Lord. I will restore, saith the Lord. I stood down and and you heard God sending that wind down. And all them big old trees is doing going, mm. I thought, that's just exactly like that rushing mighty wind that come from heaven on the day of Pentecost when it strikes them big old cold churches today like around Chicago. The only thing they can do is mourn and cry and say the days of miracles have passed. Fundamental, they are trees, yes sir. Yes sir, they was once the trees. The Methodists, the Baptists, the Presbyterian, the Moody's, and all the rest, they've got great big towering fires. But they say that days of miracles is past because the palm worm has eaten all the blessings out of the church. And there's no more hallelujahs and no more praises of God. Hallelujah! There's no more divine healing speaking with tongues. I stood and looked. There come the wind again, and instead of bending to it, they go, I thought that's about like it. When God sends a revival in the city, they say, don't you believe such stuff? Days of miracles is There is no such a thing as the Holy Ghost. Dr. So-and-so. Ma! Well, then I was discouraged. I said, Lord, you said I will restore. And about that time, the wind dropped a little lower. And when I did, I noticed there was some undergrowth coming up. Hallelujah. Glory! Some more little trees. They wasn't 
Archie and Bird up with denominationalism. They were either evangelicals. <laughs> they were either denomination like Israel was. God said she'd never be a nation no more, and she won't be. They're interdenominational. And when the winds begin to blow, and these little trees begin, that wind begin to hit, them little trees begin to frolic and jump and dance and carry on. Oh, Lord, hallelujah. I will be The same power of the Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost. If them old mournful churches want to mourn and say, well, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Baptist, mourn on. There's an undergrowth coming out. Hallelujah. Every time the wind blows, them little trees just dig down and get a better hold. <laughs> That's right. I will restore, saith the Lord. <laughs> God is raising up. That first rain's done past. The blister struck. The power went out of the church. But God in this last days is sending the latter rain now. Yeah. The, yeah. the power of the Holy Ghost yeah. coming back. As sure as He sends the winds and rains, there's a tree standing there to rejoice. How happy they was, them little trees, just to bend him with the wind. Say, that wind said, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and forever. The little trees said, hallelujah, hallelujah, I believe it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The tree said, in the sense it was. <laughs> Fundamentally, they were just as much tree as what this little fellow was. But brother, they couldn't bend to the Spirit. And tonight, that's what, or today, that's what's the trouble. These great big churches can't bend to the Spirit because they're so organized, He would break up their organization. Called backwash and holy rollers. <laughs> Just as flexible as it can be. <laughs> That's right. Got life in them. The new tree was live, the old tree was dead. That's the reason it can't bend because it's dead. Dead! But there's a new birth coming on. Yeah. The latter rain's being poured out in these last days. Yeah. Powers, times, and wonders, and the same joy them old trees joyed a long time ago has come back in a new generation. Yeah. Amen! Yeah. I will restore, saith the Lord. Yeah. There it is. Let's look at the great St. Paul. When he stood there with his eyes of faith, looked across the seas of time, he said, In the last days it shall come to pass. How in the last days to be heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Go out on Sunday afternoon and play golf instead of having a church. Close it up on Sunday night because it's too hot to come. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Truth-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, and despisers of those that are good. Oh, you say, he's talking about infidels. Though he wasn't having a form of godliness. Fundamentally, just as fundamentally as the other was, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. I did, and I become a holy roller. Hallelujah. Now, when the wind goes to blowing, I can give in to it and say, Yes, Lord, I believe that you're the same Jesus Christ that rose from the dead. You live yesterday. And the Spirit of God just sweeps us from one side to the other. You think we're crazy, but we're not. <laughs> Just got life and flexible. Go ahead and mourn on if you want to. But God's moving his, that undergrowth coming right on up. She's going right on to the seed. Look, I like to stand with St. Paul this afternoon and say this. In the way that's called heresy or foolishness, crazy, 
That's the way I worship the God of our fathers. And what the world calls today holy roller, that's the way I worship Jesus Christ. I stepped away from that thing, Hunter. When I seen them two seeds coming up, we got almost got our head above the clouds now. The great blossom is in the branch, in the tree, and God's pouring out the latter rain upon it, and it's bringing forth fruits of what? Healing, salvation, baptism of the Holy Ghost, restoration of the gifts. All these different name manifestations are coming. It's on this tree over here, just as fundamental both of them are. But God's vindicating this one with the restoration of the gifts. And the others are sitting mourning and going on about it and saying we're a bunch of holy rollers. I'm glad the day to be numbered with them. I'll, I'll take my way with the Lord, despise few. I've started in with Jesus, oh Lord, take me through. Not long ago, talking to one of the greatest evangelists in the nation. Asked him about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, look, brother, people try to tell me one day that I needed that kind of stuff. So I found out the Lord wanted me to be a teacher. Another great evangelist said, I believe that that's the truth. But I couldn't accept it in my meeting. Well, I said it would, do, it would mar my popularity. Brother, I'd rather lay on my stomach and drink branch water, eat soda crackers and live for God, than to have my name in gold on any tabernacle door or anything else and say that I belong to some denomination. I want to be flexible. Wherever the Lord leads, that's the way I want to go. What He says, I want to do. If He sends the power of the Holy Ghost, I want to believe it. If he says he's going to want me to do this, I want to do it. No matter what the world says, I'm following Jesus Christ. There you are. Beloved, I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, that you would earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. I say this today, if you believe me to be God's servant, you are now living in the day of the restoration of the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Living under the power of the latter reign of the Holy Ghost Church. That's raising up today, calling great doctors and divinities of everything out of all the denominations. Right in my house in this last three weeks, some of the greatest men, even to the Archbishop of India, over all the evangelical churches of India, has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Dr. Reedhead, the president of the Sudan Mission, was put out of the missions a couple weeks ago because he received the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave him utterance. That's right. Dr. Donald Lee, the great Southern Baptist, sat in my room the other day and said, Brother Branham, I have just been poured out my heart and the Holy Ghost come upon me and said I was walking in the rooms and I couldn't even speak English no more. What is it? Redemption is here, brother. Man's hearts are failing for fear. Be filled with the Spirit, your lamps trimmed and clear. Look up! Your redemption is here. That's right. We're at the end age. It'll be light in the evening time. The path of glory you will surely find. Is that right? In this last day, as the sun is setting, God's pulling out of the Gentiles, Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Fundamentals, and all. Bring them over here, or he's going to take a people out of the Gentiles for his name. Then he will close off the Gentile dispensation, return to the Jews, the rapture will come to the church, and home she'll go. Great signs and wonders taking place. Look up! You want the Holy Roller? Yes, sir. Brother, I went through everything for this. I love our Lord. I, I love him with all my heart. 
I don't care what the world says. They turn me out of church. They say, well, Billy, you're crazy. You had a nightmare. What would you eat for supper? I had the pleasure of telling Dr. Davis the other day what he called fanaticism. In South Africa, we made one day's altar call and 30,000 received Jesus Christ. That's more than all the missions put together has won to Christ in the past hundred years. The general orders of a missionary is tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, not down in some cemetery or seminary or whatever you want, both dead places. <laughs> all right. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you're in with an education. No. Until you learn theology. No. Until you're in with power from on high. After this, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Then you'll be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and Chicago, Illinois, are to the uttermost parts of the earth. Right. That's the truth. Oh, God bless your heart. Now I feel religious. I should be. I feel that the Lord has filled me with His Holy Spirit. I'm setting in a bunch of sons and daughters of God where anything can take place. Hallelujah. Yes, I've had to fight a long time. Come down a long ways. But some of these days I realize I got to preach my last sermon. What I want to say is, Paul, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And in that day, I was even almost turned from my home. The people of the city, they thought I'd gone crazy. The church turned me out. Everything else, but just no more. It's a little thing to what those early martyrs and saints had to go through to put that seed down there, what Jesus Christ died at Calvary to bring life into his church in the last days. Notice, one of these days I'm coming through my life for our patio. I don't know how far it'll be down the road. I got to come down there someday. Each one of you has. One of these days, when I've taken my last mountain, come through my last river, and come on down there to the all the briar patches and thickets like Israel did coming through the Promised Land. Perhaps if I live to be old and Jesus tarries, all the Branhams when they get old, they take the paws, they just shake. Old Granddad and all of them. I probably have a string of. Little white hair hanging down around my face, an old wrinkled man. If I live that long, many here will be an eternity long time before that. I may be too, but if I live to see that, I can imagine seeing myself after I fought my last battle. Declared to be a holy roller the last time. Hallelujah. And in the roads comes, by true heart, I've tried to preach Jesus Christ. I want to know him the power of his resurrection. And when he calls from among the dead, I'll come out. And I get down to the end of the road. I feel that cold wave breaking in the face. I know Jordan lays you under before me. Oh, my. I'll tell you how I feel. I want to look back down the road of come. Oh, that'll be a great day for me. <laughs> look back down the road. See every one of them broad patches I had to come through with. When they call me Holy Road, they call me everything. I fought right on through with a sword of faith. Moving right on through, making a way for those who are coming behind. I'm an old man, man, standing there on my cane, shaking with palsy. My eyes are dimming. I feel Jordan's waves floating in my face. I want to look back down the way, take off my helmet of salvation, lay it down on the beach, unbuckle my armor of faith. I want to take the old sword here and stick it back in the sheath of eternity. Raise up my hands and say, Father. 
Send out the lifeboat this morning, for I'm coming home. Across the river on the other side, I'll meet with those who are holy rollers and who has contended for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. May God grant each one of you, I give you an invitation today to come to Him. And on that side yonder where the breezes are cool, where the evergreen tree is standing on each side of the river, and the leaves are for the healings of the nations, may we meet there at the river and serve Him and live with Him. I'll not be an old man when I step across the place. God gave me a body. I grew up to about 23. I was my best. It's failing now. Twenty more years has passed. I begin to get feel my age. I know my shoulders are stooping. Now I know it ain't too many days out yonder till I shall see him who I love. That's right. I got loved ones waiting at the other shore yonder. But no matter how old I am or how wrinkled I am or how gone I am or how gray my hair is, when these feet of mine shall touch that blissful shore, I'll in a twinkling of an eye be changed. I'll be a young man again. Hallelujah. Never to die, never to be sick, but to live forever. The reward of the just waits for each believer. I trust that you are this afternoon while we bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, the waves growing drear, precious Lord, linger near. I pray that you'll be with us. Be with this audience, Lord, as seeing that the day of redemption is at hand. Knowing not what tomorrow holds, but knowing this one thing that anchored in my soul. Oh, God, when I think of a poor lost boy, undone, alienated from God, raised in a sinful home, sitting out yonder on a creek bank with a pole in my hand, crying, no peace. The great winds blowing through the trees, saying, there's a land beyond the river. I'm so thankful that you saved me. And today in my heart, Lord, it's such a privilege to get to tell others and to see that the work is confirmed by your great hand of a vindication with signs and wonders following. How I thank you for this. Help us, Lord. God bless the poor sinner in here today. The backslider. The unregenerated, that church member, standing over there, oh yes, they know the Bible, so does Satan. The devil believes and trembles. Many of them, Father, saying that Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness, but Lord, you give him the seal of circumcision as a sign. And when a man is truly believing, I believe, Father, that you seal him with the sign of the Holy Ghost. Grieve not this Holy Spirit, whereby you're sealed into the day of your redemption. God, be merciful today when you're showing the greatest signs that you've ever showed since you were on earth in a body of flesh. I pray that you'll bless this audience as we wait on thee, Lord, and I pray that many will make their decision to be filled with thy spirit, for we ask it in Jesus' name, and while you have your heads down, and every person in prayer, think of it now. Are you really filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you in the kingdom of God? Are you just a strictly a fundamental believer? God's never vindicated anything to you yet. Oh, step away from that tree. Get over on the other side here where the powers of God is moving. There is rest for 
your meaning. Where is that wayward person calling that you're calling? God is in the midst of his people. I see the meeting. I believe every word that you said is the truth. I've been all confused. But I've looked back in Genesis today. I see why I'm confused. I want to accept Christ right now as my Savior. I want to stand up. Will you do it? Anywhere in the building, a sinner? Someone stand up, family, sinner, Brother Brandon. I want to accept Christ as my Savior. Somebody here without the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Say, Brother Brandon, I've been a church member for years. God bless you, young God bless you, God bless you, I've been a church member for years. I've never received the Holy Ghost. If God will hear your prayer to open the eyes of the blind, make the cripples walk, and tell you the secrets of the heart, I believe you'll hear your prayer and give you the Holy Ghost today. Don't be deceived. Really get the Holy Ghost. Stand up. Just remain standing just a few minutes. Someone else. Stand up again. Would you stand? I want the Holy Spirit. When the way growing drear, precious Lord, linger near. When my life is all most gone. the baptism of the Holy Spirit, realizing, Lord, that they're through with all this, that, and the other. They're coming over to where they can see your signs and wonders. They're coming into the real, the church of the firstborn, the sons of God that's born to the Spirit of God, out of every denomination under heaven. They're moving in this afternoon. 
They're coming down to Jordan now, Lord. Push out the boat. You promised it. Lord, I know you'll do it. Grant it, Heavenly Father. Through Jesus Christ. Now, while we have our heads bowed, you that wants the baptism of the Spirit, won't you move up around the altar real quietly while we sing one more verse? Precious Lord. Come right down here. If you really want to come here. Lead me on. God bless you. Oh, look here. What if Paul Rayner could rise on the scene this afternoon? We another here would like to cross Jordan this afternoon? Another one just like to go over into the promised land like Caleb and Joshua and bring back the evidence? They come back, they'd been somewhere, they had grapes and great bunches. God's going to fill with the Holy Spirit just in a few minutes. Our men and women standing right here this afternoon will receive the Holy Ghost. Ever since their heart will be filled with the Holy Ghost right here. If your desire and you're tired of this wandering around. Remember that old mother that died out yonder shouting, praising God? That good old Wesleyan mother. You promised her you'd meet her in heaven. And if you just joined the church, why don't you come on over this afternoon? Won't you come walk in the line? I've got a father over yonder. I've got a father over yonder. I've got a father over yonder. On the other shore. Oh, some bright day I'll go and see him. Some bright day I'll go and see him. Some bright day I'll go and see him. On the other shore, oh, that bright day may be tomorrow, that bright day may be tomorrow, that bright day may be tomorrow. On the other shore, oh, won't that be a happy meeting, won't that be a happy meeting, won't that be a happy meeting. Tickets are for sale. The old ship's moving out. The gospel trumpet is sounding. Won't you come get a ticket this afternoon? God's baptizing you with the Holy Ghost into the body. 
safely securing you to the end of the road. Won't you come? All is ready. Now do you standing here now wanting the baptism of the Holy Ghost? If you judge me right to be God's servant, his prophet, no one could have brought you this altar this afternoon except it had been the Holy Ghost himself. He would not bring you up here unless he's willing to fill you with his presence. Turn loose and forget everything's around you. Forget all the trees standing. Climb right up this ladder to Jesus Christ and accept the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's a gift of God that will be poured out upon you. I wonder the rest of you here, how many in this building has received the Holy Ghost? Stand up. Every person in the building now that's baptized with the Holy Ghost, stand with these. Ministers of the gospel, come forward to the platform quickly. All preachers filled with the Holy Ghost, come here to the platform just a moment. You're going to see the most glorious thing you've seen in a long time. Will the ministers make their way to the platform right away, if you will? Them who are filled with the Holy Ghost, come up here just a minute. You who are filled with the Holy Ghost out there, stand just a moment. Keep your mind on God. Shut yourself in around here, believers. This is the hour. This is the time. This is the place. This is when something's going to happen. This is when the exceedingly abundantly, this is where it'll start the revival. Right here, it'll start things moving that would burn Chicago to the bottom for the Lord Jesus Christ. Give me this bunch of people here with the Holy Ghost, and you'll hear a revival breaking in the streets and around these churches everywhere. Come, walk up here, ministers. Walk up close to the platform. Hold your hands out over the people, every one of you that's got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. All you people out there that's got the Holy Ghost, hold your hands towards these people. Each one. That's it. Now, people, do you want him? He said, Oh, Almighty God, author of life, giver of every good gift, pour thy spirit upon this people. Fill them with the Holy Ghost, Lord. May the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ be